Is Jesus great? Yes. Amen. We're all Rosh Hashanah. Here we go. I have got a word from God for you today. So you ready? Are you ready? You better hold on to your bootstraps today. I want to preach a message called Jesus Got Up From The Table. Everybody say Jesus, Jesus. Got, up got Up From The Table. If you will stand for the reading of God's word, and we're going to go to John chapter 12, or 13, excuse me, verses 3 through 5. And uh, no, I, I'm not preaching on foot washing, although I'm using this as a text. John chapter 13, verse 3 through 5, reads this. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God, and to God, got up from supper... And some translations say he got up from the table and laid aside his garments and taking a towel, he girded himself. Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you for the blood applied. Thank you for your word. I pray you speak to us now through your precious word. I pray, God, show us how this applies to our lives. Father, anoint me to speak forth your word and in word, not in word and tongue only, but also in power and in deed. Let this seed fall in the good soil of our hearts. And grow and bear forth fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Hold your Bibles out and let's boldly declare today. Father, Father today, today, this week, by your grace, I'm going to be a doer of your word. And not a hearer only. Deceiving my own self. Now, Lord, anoint my ears. Anoint my heart. Anoint my spirit. My soul. My mind. And my body. To receive the truth of your word. In Christ's name I pray. Amen, amen. If they got a green bracelet on, high five somebody. If not, give them an air five from six feet away. Praise God. You know, Holly chose me out of all the other men in the world. Billions of men out there. And she chose me to abstain from all other men and give her whole self to me and me alone. I know you're probably thinking she needs her head examined. And I would agree with you. I don't know what she was thinking, but she's in now and it's her problem. Amen. <laughs> but she gave all of herself to me and has for almost 26 years now. She doesn't have to bribe me with money or blessings or... Anything else to keep me interested? Because she's given all of herself to me. It doesn't get any better than that. Can someone say a good amen if you're married? Yeah. You know, Jesus Christ gave us all of himself. And he shouldn't have to bribe us with money and blessings and Allow us to rub the genie and get three wishes and whatever we want to keep us interested. He gave us all of himself, and it doesn't get any better than that. Someone say a good amen. Jesus was a master illustrator. The things he could do with a loaf of bread, a child on his knee. And this scene here is depicted of Jesus washing the disciples' feet, and it's an amazing illustration that teaches us more about eternity than what meets the eye. If you read this, you just see a foot washing in the natural. But I want to break down some key phrases here and notice something that gives us a picture of what Jesus did in eternity. And point number one, and the first phrase I want to hit, is Jesus left his place. Everybody say, Jesus left his place. 
Some versions say he got up from the table. Some say he left his place. Everybody say he left his place. He is sitting at the head of the table in the natural in this scripture passage here in John 13. He was the host. He was the Lord of the feast. He got up from the table because he had work to do. But I want to tell you what a picture of what he had done in eternity. Hallelujah. This was not the only time that you will find Jesus getting up and leaving his place. That you will find Jesus leaving his table. Because he did it before he did it in John 13. He actually did it much earlier, 33 and a half years earlier, when he decided to come to this earth as a man. He arose from his throne in glory to come to earth and take care of the business at hand, which was to save our souls. And not just save our souls, but to do many other things. Because Jesus had already existed in eternity. He wasn't born when he was born on this earth. He took on flesh when he came to this earth. But he's always existed. John 1, 1 through 3, we've talked about this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that had been created. In fact, Colossians chapter 1, verse 12 through 17 says this way. Giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. Someone shout a good amen on that. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness. That means we are no longer under the dominion of darkness. And transferred us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. We have redemption, the forgiveness of sins in Him. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by Him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. He is before all things and by Him all things hold together. Somebody shout amen. amen. That means it's all about Jesus. Pope, you never say it's all about Jesus. So Jesus is sitting there in heaven at eternity's table. And the Bible says he got up from the table in John 13. But as he's sitting in all of heaven in all the glory in that great city. He gets up from his place. Puts himself into the womb of Mary. And takes on flesh. This is incredible. I want to tell you that every time you pray. Jesus gets up from the table. <laughs> Every time your heart is broken, he gets up from the table. When you weep in the middle of the night over the loss of a loved one, he gets up from the table. When you shed tears, he gets up from the table. Every time you come before him on bended knee and you say, God, I need your help. Jesus, spiritually speaking, gets up. From the table. He gets up from the table to answer your prayers. <laughs> he gets up from the table to heal your hurts. He gets up from the table to heal your broken heart. He gets up from the table to wipe the tears from your eyes. My God in heaven. He gets up from the table to save your little Johnny or your little Sally Sue. When you're crying and broken hearted over your child. Over your grandchild that's lost. And you're saying God grip their heart. God save them. I just see Jesus getting up from the table. Pushing back and saying everybody out of my way. I'm going to get their loved one because them and their household shall be saved. <laughs> Listen, I come to tell somebody. I, don't, I know your loved one thinks they're off and they're doing their own thing. They don't realize God's got a hook in their mouth and he's reeling them back in. Glory to God. They don't even know what God's doing in their life. 
Man, every time God is here, He gets up from the table to heal your disease. He gets up from the table to heal your sickness. He gets up from the table to provide the resources you need. I don't know where you're at today, and I don't know what you're doing, but you don't serve a God that's just out there, and He's aloof, and He's like, oh, whatever. He is there to get up from His table, from His place, and help you with your need. Woo! Somebody shout glory. Not only does he leave his place. I want you to think about it. The God who created you is willing to hear one prayer you make and leave his place to answer your prayers. And that leads me to point number two. In order to get, leave his place to come to this earth, the Bible says he left the table in the natural in John 13. And he set his robe aside to go and do something. But eternally speaking, Jesus set his glory aside. Everybody say glory. Just as he prepared to wash his disciples' feet, he laid aside his robe. And this speaks of him laying his glory aside in eternity. How else could we associate with him if he came in all his glory? How else could he relate to us unless he came like us? It's interesting to note that the same John who laid his head on his bosom, and then in John chapter 21, even after he was resurrected, they looked out and saw the man asking, did you have any fish to eat? And John finally notes, hey, I think that's Jesus. Peter, that's Jesus. And Peter's like, what? It's Jesus. And he jumps in the water, and he heads that way. The same John, the same disciples that walked with Jesus... They weren't even really sure he was the Messiah for three years. Is the same John in Revelation 1.17 that writes, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. In other words, I saw Jesus in a light I've never seen him before. I didn't see him as the Jesus, the carpenter's son that walked the earth. I'm seeing a different Jesus, and I fell over like a dead man. And so I love this. But he laid his right hand on me and said, don't be afraid, I'm the first and the last. What made the difference? What made the difference is, prior to Jesus dying on the cross, he was the carpenter's son. And only one time in the scripture do you find his glory shining. And three disciples fell out. They woke up. And Peter, not knowing what to say, felt like he had to say something. And said, we'll build three tabernacles. But my point is this. The difference between Revelation 1.17 and everything else was that in Revelation chapter 1 on the Isle of Patmos, John is looking and he sees Jesus in all his glory. And he just, boop, falls right on over. You see, while on earth he was covered in the garment of flesh like you and I. His radiance was hid like Moses behind the veil. Exodus 34, 35 says, And the people of Israel would see the radiant glow of his face. So he would put the veil over his face until he returned to speak with the Lord. In other words, he was such in the presence of the Lord that he would glow with the presence of God such a way that the people were like, We can't even stand to look at you, Moses. And all Moses did was be in the presence of God Almighty. Listen, if you think you can hand, I hear people say, Oh, I want the glory. I'm giving the glory of God. I want to see the glory of God. You can't handle the glory of God right now. You say, yes, I can. I say, okay. Well, when you leave here today and you walk outside, I want you with no sunglasses on to look directly at the sun. How many of you can do it? Nobody. If you can't look into one of God's creations and all its glory, eyeball to eyeball, it makes you think you can look God eyeball to eyeball in all his glory. <laughs> 
Folks, we can't even stand to look at creation, a creation of God, a star with our natural eyes in all its glory. How much less the true and complete glory of Almighty God. I'm going somewhere with this. 1 Kings 8, 11 says it this way. So that the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. I love it. God let them have just a little glimpse of who he is. And his godness. And his God nature. His character. His attributes. And he poured out his spirit in such a way. That the ministers had to lay down. They couldn't even stand to minister. People couldn't even stand under the weight of the presence of almighty God. Man, hallelujah. But he got up from the table, he left his place, he set aside his glory, and he became flesh. He took on humanity. Why? So he could relate to us. Hebrews 4.15 says, We do not have a high priest that cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. It is so important that you understand why Jesus, him leaving his glory behind and becoming one of us, it means so much. It means Jesus can relate to your struggles this morning. He can relate to your relationship issues today because he had all kinds of problems with everybody. He can relate to your weakness today. He had to have angels come and strengthen him after he fasted. He can relate to how tired and weary you are. He was so tired one day, he sat down on the boat and a storm came that almost sunk the boat and he is completely asleep. He can relate to your temptation. He was tempted by the devil with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. The point I want to make is there's nothing you will go through that he cannot relate to. He can relate to the weight of burdens you are under today. In fact, his burden at the cross at the Garden of Gethsemane was so great that his sweat became like great drops of blood. He knows what it is to carry burdens. He knows what it is to feel what you feel in life. He can relate to the sacrifice you give to your family, to your friends, to those that are around you, those you work with. Why? Because he sacrificed his life, not only on this earth, but on the cross of Jesus Christ. He can relate to how you feel like your own family, closest friends, and those around you won't even acknowledge all you do for them because many reject him today. He can relate to the betrayal of an ex-spouse or a co-worker or a family member or friend because Judas betrayed him and countless millions others do. Listen, the point I want to make is Jesus is relatable, he is knowable, and he is personable. He left aside his glory so he could feel what we feel. Brother Rob, he knows what it's like to feel and see people die in his life. He knows what it's like to lose loved ones. He knows what it's like to have pain and hurt and the gut punch that you get sometimes. He knows what it's like to have all the things that we struggle and deal with. And glory to God, he was willing to lay aside all that awesome glory to come be like one of us so he could relate with us and be personal with us and so we can know him. Hallelujah. He became a servant. Then he took a towel and washed the disciples' feet. In Philippians, it's about the it, it write, Philippians writes about the kenosis or the emptying of Christ. Look what Philippians 2, 6 through 7 says. It says, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, watch this, he gave up his divine privilege. It might as well say there he gave up his glory. 
He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. One translation said he emptied himself. The Greek word is kenosis. In other words, he emptied his glory and came down to be one of us so he could relate with us, so he could die for us, so he could save us. He became one of us that we might be like him. What did he empty himself of? What is the glory? Holly and I were talking about this week. In the Old Testament, the word is kabod, and it means to honor a great physical weight or quantity of a thing. I love this. Not just heavy, but a heavy or imposing quantity. Something that has a weight to it where like the ministers can't even stand to minister. It means significant position, reputation, honor. Everybody say honor. This is why God hates sin in our lives and hates sin, period. Because it's a hit to his reputation and his honor. When we willfully sin before God... We are running his name down and damaging his reputation and his honor. We are damaging his glory. It means imposing presence or position. He's an imposing presence. His glory is. That's why he said in Matthew 10, 28, Don't fear those that can kill you only. Fear him who can kill you and throw you into hell. It means... These are just Old Testament definitions. Fullness of things or sovereignty. That means he's the boss. He's God. He calls the rules. It means excellence or majesty. The word majesty means sovereign power, authority, and dignity. It means greatness. It means splendor. It means grandeur. Why am I saying all this? Listen, I want to tell you something. We have to remember the God to whom we are worshiping to. We need to remember the God to whom we are praying to. We need to be remember how big and how awesome our God is. And if I may just say so, we shouldn't have to be cheerleaded to worship God. We shouldn't have to say, come on everybody, get your hands up, come on, praise God. If we really knew the glory of God, we'd be running in here, give me room, get out of my way. I got to worship and praise my God. Man, when we come in the house of God, shouldn't nobody have to do rah, rah, shish, kumba, unless, come on, everybody, come on, everybody. Man, we ought to be running the, oh, running the aisles, shaking the chairs. Do you know the God who saved me? Do you know the deep, miry clay he pulled me out of? Do you know what he saved me from? Do you know what he gave up for me? I love Jesus! Woo! Pastor, you're a madman today. Yes! Do you know what he gave up for me? Holly could be married to a billionaire. I know she loved me for me. (laughs) Best in college. She could have picked anybody. But she picked me. Sometimes she looks at me, what are you smiling at? I don't know, you're, you're just with me. Amen. Well, I didn't do nothing. You don't need to do nothing. You're just with me. Yeah. Yeah. Woo. 
Yeah. How much more God? He's majestic. Splendid. His, his grandeur, the weight of his glory is unbelievable. But I sense his presence so strong. Well, what would you sell out? What would you sell all him and who he is out for? Another TV show? A drug? Some kind of sin you want? Some kind of relationship you want? Man, I'm telling you, there ain't nothing. There ain't nothing. Nothing, 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 nothing worth losing his glory in your life over. God's majesty, his glory was expressed in the things that he did. When he split the Red Sea, that was his glory. When the walls of Jericho fell down, that was his glory. It was its, its demonstration of his action, of his power, of his attributes, of his character. Glory is literally the manifestation and the demonstration of the nature and acts of God. Every time you see somebody saved, we got a glimpse of his glory. Every time somebody gets healed, it's a glimpse of his glory. Every time there's a miracle, it's a glimpse of his glory. He's giving you just a little twinkle of his eye of glory saying, Hey, I'm still God. I don't care what the doctor says. I don't care what the bill collector says. I don't care what little Johnny says. I'm still on the throne. Pastor, you're a wild man today. I I am. I'm wild about God. And I'm telling you, we got to remember who it is we're serving. In the New Testament, the word is doxa. Everybody say doxa. That, that, this means the honor resulting from a good opinion. Again, the honor. The honor resulting from a good opinion. Doxa is from where we get the word doxology. It means expectation, judgment, opinion, expectation. That means when you go in the prayer closet, you ought to expect to get in the presence of God. When you open the pages of the Bible, you ought to expect to hear His voice. When you come to a church service like this, you ought to expect to be in His presence and expect Him to move. Glory is the manifestation or the demonstration of the nature and acts of God. It's His attributes. It's His character. It's His power. This is why, watch this, we can only please God in faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Why? Because when we act in faith, we are acting like God is telling the truth. When we act in faith... We're saying, God, I believe your book, I trust your character, and I believe in your power. And in so doing, we are honoring his reputation and his faith and his character, who he is. We're honoring his glory. We're giving him glory. But when we don't act in faith... When we refuse to step out in faith. When we read a scripture and we say, well, that's for somebody else. That's the same thing as telling God, well, you're a liar. That's dishonoring to his character. That's dishonoring to his glory, his attributes, his power. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? Again, glory is the demonstration, watch this, of his character. 
So when somebody gets healed, yes, it's a miracle, but all that is is God saying, well, that's who I am. That's, I'm, that's my character. I'm trustworthy. Do you really trust what God says in the Word? Do you really believe God for your healing? You see, that's also why you can't steal His glory. All glory goes to Him. He will not share His glory because it's honor due to His name. Watch this, John 1, 14. Many of you have been in the church a long time. You understand the scripture. You know it. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And many stop right there. But watch what else it says. We have seen his what? Glory. The glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Well, how do we see his glory, pastor? I'll tell you how you saw his glory. You saw his glory every time a dead man raised out of the casket. Amen. Every time a blind eye opened. Every time a deaf ear heard. Every time the lame got up and walked. Every time everyone who was sick in all the villages walked away totally healed. And all of them were. You saw his glory. Glory. When he took his last breath on the cross and said he gave up the ghost and said it is finished. You saw his glory. When he raised from the tomb and walked the earth for almost 40 days raised and resurrected. We saw his glory. And every time we see God do something in our life we are seeing a glimpse of his glory. And that is what he set aside to become like you and I. To struggle in this life like we do. He literally had to set his character and his power aside. And only give the world a taste. Did you know we're supposed to be the body of his glory? We're supposed to. Holly and I were talking about this week. She was sharing me her heart on this. And I love it. I'm going to preach it like, I, like it was mine. Amen. We're to exhibit his character, his attributes, and his power through Christ. So, go to the Cincinnati Museum right now, and they have the Mayan artifacts. Have you seen the billboards? There's billboards. The Cincinnati Museum, it's either there now or it's coming. The Mayan artifacts. You know, we went one time to the Egyptian artifacts. We went one time to see the the tomb of the mummies and all that. Well, if you go to the Mayan artifacts, you know what you're going to see? You're going to get a taste of what their culture was like. You're going to get an idea of what their people were like, what they were into, what kind of things that they valued, who they were as a society. Is that right? Yes? Some of you looking at me like I've just lost my mind. You, when you do that, you go back, you learn what they're like, right? Well, guess what? We're supposed to be, right, because it's on exhibit. You say, oh, man, look at that mask. Oh, look at this. Wow, those people are this. Boy, they had different tastes. They had to, and you learn a little bit about who they are as a people. Did you know that people are supposed to look at you and I? We are exhibits of God's character, of his power, and his attributes. People are supposed to look at you, Pete, and say, ha, huh, so that's what God's like. They're supposed to look at you, Tracy, and say, so that's what God acts like. That's his character. So, Todd, Jessica, that's how God displays his power. I see now in your marriage, your marriage is how Christ and the church is. Now I've got a good idea of how we're supposed to be the bride and he's supposed to be the groom by looking at your marriage. In other words, we are supposed to be on exhibit for all the world to see. And when they look at our lives, they say, that's what God's like. Those are the kind of things he does. That's what he doesn't like. And that's who he is. Somebody. Say amen. And that's why when we willfully live in sin and we do things that are contrary to what God likes, it damages his reputation because we are on exhibit for him. 
Somebody say amen. amen. So what did Jesus do? He got up from the table, laid his glory aside, but he went to do something. In your text in John 13, the Bible says he went to wash the disciples' feet. And so point number three is this, relating this to eternity. Jesus washed our sins away. Everybody say amen. amen. He poured water into a basin and washed their feet. And he was showing the disciples and you and I a visual lesson here. What I do to your feet with water, I'm about to do to your heart with blood is basically what he was saying. The water would remove the dirt and the grime from their feet, but the feet would get dirty again. But the blood would remove sin from their heart, and the effects of the blood would last forever. I got a call in the late 90s. I was a youth pastor, and I got a call that said, Hey, will you come preach at the school? They'll see you at the flagpole prayer day. There'll be a bunch of kids there. We want you to come minister. I said, Okay, it's a public school, so what can I, you know, what, how do I need to do this? You know, what can I... What can I do? They said, what do you mean? I said, well, you know, I don't know. Am I allowed to preach Jesus? You come preach whatever you want. I had like shark in the water smelling blood. <laughs> Buddy, I went there fired up and I preached Jesus. A couple of kids raised their hand. Everybody gets saved. Praise God. I left there. I was all excited. And the other pastor was there and he did not like it at all. He was tore up from the floor up because I didn't have, baptize him in water. And I said, well, you know, they just got saved. He said, no, they're not saved until they're dunked in water. So you're elevating water above the blood of Jesus now. Is that right? Is the last time I checked, yes, water baptism is a commandment. And everybody who's saved needs to be baptized in water. Jesus was baptized in water. He commands us to be baptized in water. But the last time I checked, water baptism is symbolic of what God has already done in your life through his precious blood. He's already washed your sin away in blood. Let me just tell you right now, if you've been baptized in water, but you've not given your life to Jesus, you went down a dirty center and you came up a dirty center. The water, you can do it all day long from now till the day you die. It's not going to change your standing with God. What changes your standing with God is the red blood of Jesus Christ that ran down Calvary. Oh, I'm about to preach here in just a minute. Uh-huh. So I started looking it up. I started, man, he said, well, the blood. this is how he did it. He's a preacher. He said, oh, the blood, the blood. There's only one or two. Y'all just always want to talk about the blood. Yeah, I want to talk about the blood. That's what washed my sins away. What in the world is wrong with you? Sound like you need to be washed in the blood. So I started looking up some scriptures, and I got all fired up. Oh, one or two. Okay, well, let's just take a look at some of them. Mark 14, 24, the Last Supper. He said to them, this is the my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. I want to tell you, we have no com- covenant. We have no promise. We have nothing without the blood of Jesus Christ. Let me shout it out again. We have nothing without the blood of Jesus Christ. I had somebody one time say, boy, I like it, Pastor. You're a bloody preacher. You better well believe I'm a bloody pe- preacher. Because without the blood, we're lost. Acts 20 and 28 says he purchased us with his own blood. I want to tell you because of the blood, Todd Daves, you are bought. You're not even your own anymore. You are property owned by God Almighty. (laughs) 
You know what a cattle rancher will do? He'll get, I don't know, 25 new cows, and he'll take a brand. He'll take a hot iron, and he'll get that thing cherry red hot, and he'll brand that cow with his initials or his ranch sign or whatever. So if that cow disappears or whatever, other people, other ranchers will realize, oh, that belongs to Dallas Howard. Oh, that belongs to Richard Chitwood. Oh, that belongs to so-and-so. That's a, they've been branded. I want to tell you something. We were purchased with his own blood. Throw me that blanket if you will. You know what? God's got a brand too. You can't see it in the natural. But as I'm looking out right now, if I could see in the spirit, what I'm seeing is like a cattle brand. You are covered in the blood of Jesus. <laughs> and everywhere you go, you're branded. When the devil comes lurking, he says, oh, I'm going to get Mindy. And he goes, oh, no. She's owned by God. I can't mess with her without permission. I got to go just like I did to Job. Can I go mess with Mindy? I, I, can I please go mess with her kid and mess with her? And let me just terrorize her. I want to tell you something. You are covered in the blood of Jesus. You are owned. You are purchased. You belong to God Almighty. You are like a cattle branded person with the blood of Jesus. And when the spirits and the enemy comes, he sees the blood and he goes, no, not again. I see that brand and I can't mess with that person. Hallelujah. Romans 3 25 says for God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. Watch this. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life shedding his blood. Romans 5, 8 through 9, but God proves his own love for us and that while we were still yet sinners, God's the one that risked it all. And why? Because Christ died for us when we were still sinners. He didn't die for you in your goodness. He didn't die for you in your righteousness. He didn't die for you in all your glory. He died for you when you were in a mess. He died for you in a deep miry clay. He died for you in a pit of sin and wallowing around in the mud. That's when he died for you. He's the one that risked it all. How can God tell me I have to have so much faith? I'll tell you why. Because he's got more faith than all of us. He shed his son Jesus Christ's blood on the cross and he gambled it all that we would receive him. But then it goes on to say, since we have now been declared. Everybody say declared. That means, you know, to declare something means you have to speak it. We have been declared righteous by his blood. We will be saved through him from wrath. Righteousness literally means right standing. We have been declared. That means, when Tracy, when you came to Jesus and you said, God, all of me, every bit, the, the junk nobody wants, the junk nobody wants to be a part of, the part of my life I don't even like, but I'm giving it to all of you. And will you please come into my heart as my Lord and my Savior. Wash my sin away. He washes you in the blood and he stands in heaven and he says, Hear ye, hear ye. I declare Tracy Kellum's Righteous by my blood. And when the devil comes stomping and the devil comes uh, trying to mess with you and he's trying to do this and he's trying to do that and he's accusing, but you don't know what Bob did. You don't know what Carol said. You don't know what Marty did. And God says, oh, I, know, I don't know about all that, but I know this. I look down and all I see is my son's blood. I declare them righteous. Hey! 
you are not in right standing with God, watch this, I'm going to mess with you, because of the prayers that you make, or the holy things you do, or the moral way you live. You are in right standing before God because of His blood. The Pharisees tried to do it by the prayers they made and the holy things they did and the moral way they lived. And God said, they're all banished to hell. I want to tell you, we are made acceptable because of the red blood of Jesus. Ephesians 1, 7, in Him we have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Ephesians 2.13 But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. Here's what we, we, there's a fallacy in the church. That we think, well, we, we draw near to God's presence because we get in His word and we pray. Uh-uh. You draw near to God because of His blood. Am I saying don't pray and read the Bible? Of course, that's part of it. But first and foremost and primarily, the only way we get anywhere near God in His presence is because of the red blood of Jesus Christ. Woo! Colossians 1.20 says that we have been made peace through the blood of His cross. Are you in anxiety today? Are you fretting today? Are you filled with worry today? Are you in one of life's storms today? Because the Bible says right here that we have made peace through the blood of his cross. How do I get the peace of God in my life? You draw near through the blood of Jesus Christ. Because of his blood, we don't have to be on Xanax tonight. Because of his blood, we can go to sleep at night. Because of his blood, we don't have to fret and have ulcers and not sleep and wake up in the middle of the night sweating, terrified, and not go back to sleep. Because of the blood of Jesus. <laughs> like that song we sing, peace, peace, wonderful peace. Hebrews 9, 11 through 15, watch what it says. But when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands. That is to say, is not part of the creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves. But he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood. Thus obtaining eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. You can't serve God without the blood. You're not redeemed without the blood. You're not anything without the blood. Everything is based on the blood of Jesus. For this reason Christ is a mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance and that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. Hebrews 10 19. We can boldly enter into heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. When my kids were little and I was pastoring in Georgia, I would keep 
Reese's and candies in my desk and Yoo-Hoo's in the fridge because they'd like to come. And listen, when my kids wanted a Yoo-Hoo or they wanted some kind of snack or some kind of uh, candy, they knew right where to find it. And I want to tell you something. With my three kids, it didn't matter if I was in the meeting with the President of the United States. They didn't knock. They didn't ask. They bust that door wide open. They come running in. Hey, Daddy, and grab them a Yoo-Hoo, grab them some candy or whatever it was, and they bust out the door. It didn't matter if I was in a meeting. It didn't matter what it was. They came boldly into their daddy's office because of their relationship with who I am. And they had that right. They didn't have to beg and wonder and all this. Because of the relationship we had, they came boldly to take what I had, thank me, and they'd walk back out the room and I'd resume my meeting. Well, guess what? The Bible says because of his blood, you can knock down the doors of heaven. And you can say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. It's like entrance. It's like, oh, hey, 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 everybody stop. Rob's got something to say. What you need, Rob? Here's what I need, God. I'm struggling. I got this. I got that. Here's what's going on. Here's what the doctor said. Tanya's going, oh, here's what the doctor said. Well, let me tell you, my blood, not only does it save you, it heals you, it delivers you, it sets you free. We can come boldly to the throne room of grace because of our relationship with him because of the blood. Everybody say blood. Hebrews 10, 29 says it's the blood of the covenant that has sanctified them. Hebrews 13, 11 through 12, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood. I know I've mentioned this before, but shortly before Billy Graham died, a man I know personally was interviewing him. He was about 98. He said, Dr. Graham, if there's anything you could do differently, what would you do differently? He thought for just a second and he said, if I had it to do all over, I'd preach more on the blood. Amen. This is Billy Graham. That's all he preached. He said, I'd preach more on the blood. I want to tell you, we got some lily limb preachers that won't talk about the blood. They won't talk about heaven. They won't talk about hell. They won't talk about anything. I want to tell you, I want to shout from the rooftops. It is the blood of Jesus and only the blood of Jesus that saves men's souls. And if you're watching me online, Buddha won't save you. Muhammad's in the grave. But Jesus' blood lasts forever. <laughs> Hebrews 13, 20 says it's the blood of an everlasting covenant. Everybody say everlasting. Why is that important? Because, Mindy, when you accept the blood and apply it to your life, and you die and you go to heaven. Listen, when Marshila hit heaven this week, when she stood before a holy God and her enter in, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things, enter into the joy of the Lord. She heard that this week. She's standing before God in his throne right now in all his glory. Listen, and that doesn't last just for this week. That won't last for a hundred years. A million years from now, Bob Green, she won't look at you and God won't say, well, you know, there's an expiration date on my blood. You're good for the first million, but after that, you know, down you go. Didn't say, Todd, 
my blood was good for you for 10 million years. I mean, enjoy it while it lasts, big boy, but it has an expiration date on it. I want to tell you it's an everlasting covenant. This blood washes your sin away from now and for billions and billions and billions and billions of years from now. And when billions and billions are done, it lasts billions more. God won't look at you and say, ha, 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 the joke's on you. You're going down now. Uh-uh. When you're covered in the blood, you're covered. There is no expiration date. It never goes out of date. There's nothing that goes wrong. It lasts in your life forever. 1 Peter 1, 18-19 says, We were purchased, we were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. 1 John 1, 7, The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. No other fount I know. That makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Revelation 1.5 says he has washed us from our sin in his own blood. Revelation 5, 9 says, With your blood you purchase for God persons from every tribe, every language, and people and nation. That's why if everyone is welcome at Bridge of Hope Church. That means no matter the color of anybody's skin, no matter the nationality, no matter the culture, where they're from, no matter if they're a prostitute or whatever it might be, they are welcome here because Jesus bought and paid for every human being known to man. Somebody say amen. It said he purchased us every language, every culture, every creed, everybody. Somebody say amen. We don't reject anyone because God accepts everyone. We lovingly welcome people from all walks of life. Somebody shout glory. Revelation 12, 11, and they overcame him with the devil by the blood of the lamb and by the word of the testimony. I want to tell you when the devil starts messing with you about your past, start telling him about his future. When he starts messing with you, say, I'm covered in the blood. I've been branded by the blood of Jesus. Don't you know when you mess with me, you mess with God. And the last time I checked, he kicked you out of heaven like lightning falling from the sky. And he'll whoop you right now. Somebody say amen. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. It washes white as snow. I'm almost done. Man. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. 
There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. <laughs> Man, if we just knew the blood of Jesus and its power. Rose McMullen was a, traveled from coast to coast donating her blood for more than 400 transfusions in 40 states. She is a phenomenon in the medical world. She's said to be the only person who could be able to offer blood simultaneously for two transfusions at the same time. Her blood rejects a disease of the bloodstream when you give a lot. 400 people she's done transfusions for. It's incredible. Uh, she's a phenomenon. And so 400 people thank generous Rose McMullen for her blood. However, unnumbered millions upon millions more. Thank Jesus for his blood that has washed our sin away. And so when Jesus was done washing their feet, he returned to the table. When he was done washing our sins away with his blood at Calvary, point number four, and I'm closing with this, Jesus returned to his glory. In the flesh, he put on his garment, sat back down. In the spirit, he paid the price. Look at what Hebrews 1.3 says. The sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command when he had cleansed us from our sins. He sat down in the place of honor. Honor means glory. At the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. He had left the throne some 33 years earlier and returned to it once again. And now sits at the right hand of the Father ever living to make intercession for us. He said in John 13, 12, do you know what I have done? Do you know what he's done today? He left his place, laid aside his glory, washed our sin away, and returned to his glory. A man had been sentenced to death. You're going to love this. By a Spanish court. Well, because he was an American citizen, but also of English birth, the consuls of both countries decided to intervene in his behalf. They declared to the authorities of Spain they had no right to kill this condemned man. Spain didn't listen. We'll do what we want. They said, okay. So they sent him to the firing squad draped in two flags, the Stars and Stripes and the Union Jack. Here the condemned man stands before the rifle man draped in an American flag and an English flag. And the consul said, do what you must. But no, if you shoot this man, the full weight of the government, the military, and the power of these countries will come down on you because of they're covered in our flag. The rifle man stood there all rights and authority from his country to fire the shots and kill the condemned man stood couldn't pull the trigger didn't know what to do here the condemned man deserving of death was invulnerable what well, I want to tell you something you got something far greater than an American flag or a British flag that you're covered in today and by all rights, the devil, because of your sin that you've committed before God, has every right 
to throw every one of us, take us down into hell where we all belong. But as he approaches, God the Father says, well, that may be true. He's done some wrong. She's done some wrong. But they've also accepted Jesus and begun to live for my son and me. And so they're covered in the blood. So nanny, nanny, boo-boo devil, but you can't touch them. (laughs) I know they've done wrong. I know there's been a whole lot, but you can't touch them. Not because they're covered in a natural flag, but because they're covered in my son Jesus' blood. Come on, somebody shout glory. I got a question. Are you covered in the blood today? Because of his blood, you're healed. Because of his blood, you're delivered. Because of his blood, you're set free. Because of his blood, you're healed. You have the mind of Christ. Everything you need is because of his blood. What do you need today? We're going to take communion here in a moment. But before we do. Man, I think God's going to pour out his glory. We're going to get a glimpse of his glory. Somebody's going to get healed today. Somebody's going to get healing today. I don't know what you need from God. Maybe it's peace. Maybe it's joy. Maybe it's healing. Maybe it's salvation. Whatever you need, I want you to stand to your feet right now. Somebody's going to come by and pray with you. Come on, stand to your feet right now. All the blood of Jesus. Somebody come by. There's people standing. I need some of my prayer team. If you're watching online, I want you just to stand in your living room or wherever you're watching right now. Just hold your hands up like this to receive. And just say, oh God, will you cover me in the blood? Will you pour out the blood on my life? Pour out the blood. Because of the blood, you're healed. saints pray come on plead the blood of Jesus over your life plead the blood of Jesus your family's covered you're covered plead the blood of Jesus over your health plead the blood of Jesus over your family plead the blood of Jesus over your home over your over your automobiles over your job over everything in your life plead the blood of Jesus over our church come on come on just pray 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 saints pray oh father we come to you in the name of Jesus We ask you to remember the sacrifice of Christ. We ask you to remember that by his stripes, Tanya was healed and Steve was healed and those that are in here. God, I pray peace that passes all understanding. Come because of the blood.